Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here for Warriors 24, along with my sidekick. Yes, that's right. The surf man himself, Cyrus Satches. <laughs> yes, I got to see you surfing someday. You got to send me some videos so I can check out your, your style and all. But I don't know if I'll ever have videos, but I got some Anyway, pictures. we're going we're to have you know, things to talk about. But obviously, <laughs> the, you know, the story that it's a sad time, obviously, right now. Um, the NBA has lost two of their icons, seriously. Mm-hmm. One, one, one player, obviously, in Kobe, and of course, recently, David Stern. Uh, the former commissioner, and, and it, it's difficult when people that you know pass away, uh, especially you know when it's family. And to Kobe, the Lakers were his family. He was there for you know twenty years, and mm-hmm. just an amazing career that he had, an amazing, amazing uh, person later on in his life, doing some really wonderful things and promoting the game of basketball. Really, a big proponent for women's basketball with his daughter, who unfortunately passed away with him and got killed actually in the in the helicopter crash. Uh, but I just respected Kobe, and I've done a lot of interviews uh, recently about this. And the thing, and I'm always asked, what do you think most about Kobe? And I said, I think most about his attitude, the way he approached the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just was so passionate about it, loved the game dearly, uh, was an incredible competitor. I said he really would be, would have been a great Golden State Warrior because he's a warrior. That's mm-hmm. what he was. He put that uniform on. You're going to get everything he's got every single time. And that's the thing that I respect most about any individual, whatever their endeavor happens to be in life, that they're going to give you their best effort every single time that they're involved in that profession. And that's what Kobe did. And he was turned himself from trials and tribulations as a young kid coming into the league. It wasn't like he came in and tore, tore things up. And he was going through some hard times. But mm-hmm. his studying of the game, his attitude about it, and whoever was helping to get him through those difficult times, it worked because he turned himself into one of the three greatest two guards in the history of the game. Uh, I still think you got to put Michael number one, but mm-hmm. there certainly could make a pretty darn good argument for him being number two, maybe even ahead of Jerry West. And I know that Jerry had a lot of respect for uh, a lot of respect for Kobe. In fact, actually, I think you've got a soundbite from, from Jerry about that. So why don't I we do, play I that? do. Uh, and you're right. Jerry West, I feel like with the exception of maybe Shaquille O'Neal, um, even when he has was taken a- this more personally than anyone. And this soundbite kind of explains why this was him, a uh, Jerry West on good morning America. He had flown frequently throughout the years, even when he was a player, flying from his home to the games and to practice. And um, after that, it really was a retreat into the background. My association with him, uh, helping him arrive here in Los Angeles, watching him grow as a player, and being like a surrogate father for him. Uh, When he was 17 years old, couldn't drive. My son Ryan used to drive him to the practices. He'd never been in the 405 freeway. Never had that horrible experience. And then to start thinking about some of the intimate things that I had done with him to um, help him through the hurdles of a 17-year-old kid trying to become an NBA player and take that enormous amount of talent he had and to put it within a framework that would help the Lakers be successful for so many years. 20 years career, um, uh, one of the worst days of my life. The only thing I can compare it to is I had a brother killed in Korea and I'm just devastated by this news. And to watch him transform his life and career from this iconic player to have an enormous career in the media business and to see him with his young kids, his young daughters, the joy that was in their eyes looking at their father, who obviously they loved, to the attention he paid to them, to his getting involved in promoting women's basketball. This was a man for all seasons. He was more than an iconic basketball player. He was someone who inspired millions of fans, not here in this state, not here in the United States, 
all over the world. All around he the world. Arguably was the most popular all around yeah. the world, particularly starting in Asia. Um, he was beloved. Um, you know, you see certain figures, uh, a Magic Johnson with his personality, and Kobe's was completely different. Irvin, that big smile, inviting attitude, mm -hmm. and him walking around the street, people coming up to him. This guy was like a Pied Piper. People would follow him everywhere just to look at him, to touch him, for him to say hello. Uh, for me, this is a god-awful day. It's, it's so apparent that it is. It, it's, it's, it's written all over your face in the eloquent way that you spoke about Kobe, and he definitely so multi- Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, a tough, tough day for Jerry, and I can understand that. I know he was very close. Uh, he was, of course, the, the man who orchestrated all of the great success of that Lakers uh, dynasty that they had for so many years and bringing in all these great players and was a man who could always recognize talent, and he mm -hmm. got to be very close and personal with, uh, with Kobe. But just think about this, because I, I had a little experience with Jerry myself as a rookie, that you're a 17-year-old and you come in and you have, at that time, the logo the greatest two-guard in the history of the game, taking you under his wing and acting like he said a surrogate father to him. How lucky and how fortunate was Kobe Bryant to have that happen. I remember Jerry talking to me as a rookie because we actually went on the preseason tour with the Lakers and played a bunch of exhibition games, and he was very helpful to me in telling me some things that really got me mentally prepared and that just be ready that Rick, they're going to make adjustments to you when you go around the league. And, and, and we became friends and, you know, I even got to play in his member guest golf tournament one time still kills me that we lost it to an actor and a singer, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but, but really seriously, I mean, to have someone of Jerry West stature, to do that for you. It, it's so they had a very special relationship. So a very, very sad day indeed. It was, it was, I mean, he, I mean, his eyes were just red the whole time with tears streaming down. It was fascinating to me that he, he that he, you know, he, he mentioned the toughest days of his life. He compared this only to his brother dying in the Korean war. I mean, I, I'm guessing Jerry West's parents have passed. And the fact that he puts this above that is, I mean, what, well, I think it's because of the fact that, I mean, he's 41 years old. You're not supposed to die at 41 years of age and to die in such a horrific manner. Um, you know, whereas your parents, they get older, you know, eventually they're going to die. Yeah. You never sit around thinking that they're not going to be there, but that's right. something that in the back of your head, you know, it's going to happen someday. But to think that someone like Kobe at 41 years of age is going to perish in, as I say, such uh, such a terrible situation. It is. It's, it's the thing that bothered me most, and I even said on some of my interviews, is that that helicopter should have never left the ground. That's the part that's so disturbing to me. With everything that was going on and everything else, the police helicopters and the news helicopters being grounded, why in the world are they up in the air? I, I It's so sad, but it is, it's over with, it's done with, but you can second guess everything, but the reality of it is that plane, that helicopter should have never taken off. No, you're right. And I think that makes this even more tragic is the fact that this was a potentially preventable uh, circumstance. I mean, I'm, I'm reading stories today that said the helicopter was not equipped with this sonar type device that recognizes mountainous terrain um, and that could have prevented this accident. And this helicopter, again, was not equipped uh, with that recognition software. Uh, I mean, you know, Rick, I, I grew up a Warriors fan. Um, and the Warriors for 20 years were just abysmal, with the exception of those two or three, uh, we believe, years. They were terrible. So as a, as a basketball fan, I had to root for someone else, you know, in order to actually enjoy this game. The Warriors were just not enjoyable. And Kobe became that guy for me. And, and Kobe and I are the same age. Um, and I don't know if you feel the same way. When you, when you find someone in life who has this grandiose personality, who has achieved greatness, and you have, you're at a similar age with, there's this expectation that for the rest of your life, you're, you're going to be following this person and in some ways comparing yourself to them, you know, and, and he's, he, his work ethic was incomparable. His mental toughness was secondary to maybe Michael Jordan. I can't think of anyone else that equaled him in that regard. Um, and I, I mean, uh, you're talking, you're talking to one. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so I can relate to Kobe that way. Yeah, I, mean, and, I mean, when I put that uniform on, I'm going to give everything I had. And that's what he did. That's what I respect so much about him. And, you know, so, you know, just so you know, I was a Lakers fan because Lou Mose, the huh. general manager, saw me in college and came out to, to look at our seven foot center. And I was a sophomore. 
And he's and they asked him, what do they think about him? He said, oh, I don't know, questionable. Uh, today he could work at it because he could shoot the ball from outside. He always wanted to be outside. He never wanted to be in the post, but he mm-hmm. would be. He would have fit in in today's world. But he said, well, I don't know about him. He said, but Rick Barry is uh, is going to be a great pro basketball player one day. And so, mm-hmm. but I was always a fan. Why? Because Elgin Baylor was my hero. Oh, he was so good. No, that's so the guy good. that I love. I try to emulate him. I try to to watch what he did and learn the body control and used to go out and practice that in, in our practice facility all the time. Uh, and so, I mean, and one time I saw a picture of Elgin in a magazine that they had out talking about the pros in college. And there's a picture of me. And I, Cyrus, it was, it was unbelievable. It was uncanny, actually. There might not have been a half inch difference in the body position and where the ball was holding it and everything else between the two pictures. And I mean, that just made my day. I was so thrilled and excited about that. And then of course I got to play against my hero, but I was hoping that the Lakers were going to take me, but as it was, they were picking way down at the bottom of the list and I was fortunate <laughs> enough to go a little bit higher. So it worked out well with the Warriors, but that, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, you know what? It's never easy to lose someone that you're close to. I mean, there's no question about that. And Jerry, obviously based upon what you just heard and if you had video and you got to see him, uh, and ever saw that clip, uh, you, you can see just how heart wrenching this was and how difficult it was. It was for him was because devastated. for him, it was like losing a son. It seemed that way. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and, and Rick, I, I can't, with the exception of maybe magic Johnson, when he announced that, that he had HIV and that was so crazy back then because it was essentially a death warrant. I don't think anyone expected magic to survive that. Uh, I, I, I certainly don't think there's any sadder, new story in sports ever i mean you're rick you've lived on this planet longer than i have so maybe you remember other uh, the circumstances but uh, there's there been some been... sad ones but not, not somebody of the stature in his sport yeah. i mean you know you you had Payne stewart in the golf situation with right the, you know that was very difficult and thurman months and afterwards but he was i think that was after he was done playing uh or maybe he was still playing thurman months and you know and all in you know aeronautical mishaps mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so and then and then then they had another one that got killed in a plane crash was when the ladner from the aba who was a heck of a player and a mm. tough tough defender guy that got killed when he was playing with the nets uh, so yeah it, it 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 happens unfortunately it does and but but i've never but seen like this kind of impact else. rick i mean i don't see I no mean, no I, it's not i, I haven't cried. seen that yeah i've never met kobe i mean i again i i cried i mean i i was literally the shock it was just so shocking i don't know if it was his youth I don't know if it was the fact that he was just such a, he's just such a, or was well, such because a you're 41 and he's 41 and you could say this, you know, that's what could happen. That's why I tell young people all the time when I talk to them, make the most of every yeah. day of your life, enjoy it to its fullest. You never know when your time is up. And yeah. if you have a chance to do something that's important or would make you happy or, and it's not, you know, do it as long yeah. as it's not against the law or something, go do it. <laughs> I see so many people that I know who have money and do so. Yeah, well, I'll get to do it. And I said, what are you crazy? Go do it now. Five years from now, you don't know if you could even be in a position to do it health wise. Go do it. Enjoy life to its fullest. That's why people ask me, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I'm talking to you. I got up again today. Yeah. Every day is a special day. And that's a great attitude to have. Not everyone, not everyone has that. And, and uh, you know, he, and I love as a player, you know, you don't every day see players who come out and from day one express very clearly their entire goal is a championship, is to win. You don't hear that a lot, you know, surprisingly. And that's all Kobe's mantra was, was just win. Win at the ultimate level. And I respect Al Davis, so just win, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it is. It's, well, you got to break. You have some. Let's hear the thing from Shaq that you have. Sure. Yeah. And this and Shaq was really torn up. And this is a, this was on from inside uh, the NBA. By the way, before I play this real quick, just to add on Jerry West, Jerry West was a part of this inside the NBA panel. And he revealed another thing that was very interesting, which is that Kobe Bryant, back in, I think, 2006, somewhere in that time range, had committed to play for the LA Clippers. And Jerry West revealed that he talked him out of it. Uh, and part of the argument for talking him out of it was the ownership. I mean, who wants to, who wanted to play for that previous owner, right? That racist. Yeah, Donald uh, Sterling. Yes. And uh, so I, I, that was very revealing to me. I, I never realized how far down the road Kobe had gone before uh, staying with the Lakers. But well, anyways, well, that just shows you the relationship that Jerry and he had. And, yes. And Jerry being the, you know, the man who orchestrated everything for them and put that all together and went out and he went and, well, he, and he's the one that had to go out and, and recruit Shaq. 
and get Shaq <laughs> to did. come out there, right? He I did. mean, he had to do a lot of that stuff. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of stories, and I'm not going to repeat all the stories that I heard from him because, you know, somebody tells you something in confidence, you don't always reveal that. You, right. You don't reveal it. But uh, so let's hear Shaq. Sure, here it is. Well, as you know, it's already been a last couple months been really tough. Uh, lost my little sister. Haven't been sleeping. Haven't been doing the normal things I usually do. I work, we laugh, we kid, we joke. When I get back home and look at reality and say she's gone, it was just hurts. So the other day I'm downstairs working out with my son Shakir and my nephew Columbus. And my other nephew comes in crying and he shows me his phone. And I snapped at him. I said, man, get that out of my face. Just get it away from me. You know, we live in a world where anything could be photoshopped, anything could be hoaxed. I didn't want to believe it. And then I got the call from you, Charles, Kenny, everybody called me. And then we found out it was confirmed. And haven't felt the pain that sharp in a while. 47 years old, uh, two, lost two grandmothers, lost a Sarge, lost my sister, and now I lost a little brother. We, uh, our names will be attached together for what we did. People always ask about our relationship, and I tell them it's just like me and Charles. You got two strong-minded people that are going to get it done their way. You're going to say certain things. The respect will never be lost. But when it comes to be inside the lines and win, that's what me and him, that's what we did. That's what me and Charles, that's what we do. It was sort of like a triple, triple stabbing to the heart because after you cry and wonder about that. Then I get back on the internet, Rick Fox is on the plane. So now I'm, I'm, I'm sick even more. I'm calling Rick, he's not answering. So now I'm, 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 I'm like, what's going on? And then the final blow, his lovely daughter was with him on the helicopter. You know, we, every time I saw his lovely wife and his kids, same thing I do with, with, with Kenny's kids and D-Wade's kids. Hi, my name is Uncle Shaq. I don't know if they know me as a basketball player. It doesn't matter. I just, I am Uncle Shaq. I try to make him laugh. And he would do the same thing. Sharif called me devastated and said, Kobe, just text me to check and see how he's doing. And he used to do that from, from time to time. You know, it just makes me think that in, in life, Sometimes instead of holding back certain things, we should just do. Do you wait? Right. Difficult oh, time for Shaq, obviously. We, uh, we up here, we work a lot. And I think a lot of times we, we, we take stuff for granted. Like I don't talk to you guys as much as I, as much as I need to. The fact that uh, we're not going to be able to joke at his Hall of Fame ceremony. We're not going to be able to say, hi, I got five, you got four. The fact that we're not going to be able to say, if we would stay together, we could have got 10. Those are the things that you can't get back. And with the loss of my father, my sister, and my thing, that's the only thing I wish I could just say something to him. Again, last time I talked to him was when we were here and I asked him to get 50 and he got 60. It's the last time I spoke to him. And I just wish I could have, you know, so it, it definitely changes me. I have to, because I work a lot. You, you, you guys know what I do. I, I, I work probably more than the average guy, but I just really have to now just take time and just call and say, I love you. Rick Fox call, finally called me and said, man, I love you. Bishaw called me, so 
I'm gonna try to do a better job of just reaching out and just talking to the people rather than always procrastinating because you never know. All right, there you go. And that's the point that you know that I just made previously. Mm-hmm. You do you never know, and you don't want to miss out on having an opportunity to express the people that you love and you care about and just tell them that and let them know that and, and do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what life is about. Life is about family and friends and hopefully you have good health to go along with it. And then you're blessed. You really truly are. It's not about how much money you have. And you can see that, you know, I think Shaq expressed it quite well that don't not do what you should be doing with your friends and family. Right. That's good advice. All right, so uh, anyway. that was a broken man. That was a broken man. I, yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, like I think it's. I mean, this is somebody that's close to you. I mean, I yeah. you don't think you're going to do something like I thought I'd be cool, and I knew my dad was not doing well, and I was my my brother got up and talked. And my mom had passed away, and two weeks later, my father passed away, and we were at the cer- ceremonies and stuff. And Aww. I was up there to go and do it. Figure, you know, I'm I'm cool. I can handle all this stuff. I you know control my mode. Got up there, and I mean, I just I lost it. I mean, mm. this is my dad. I mean, I and so it was very very emotional, very difficult for me. And when things mean something to you, it's the same way. Like when I was coaching in the minor leagues in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and and the team wound up folding. It was. It was crazy story how everything went about but anyway the team folded and they had a press conference and i, I mean i really kind of lost it because it was like these guys were like my family this team mm-hmm. they had such great guys on this team and and i i just i'd lost it i was trying to do it and i just emotionally you know couldn't go on doing it and they all came up there and gave me a hug and did stuff but that was a very special uh experience for me to to have that kind of relationship with those young men and I'm still in touch with some of them to this day so uh, I can understand that they were teammates, you know, and he, and he pointed out the one point that I said, these guys someday in their life are going to look back and say, what the hell were we thinking about? Because mm-hmm. we could have been, we could have had 10 or more championships if they had stayed together and they didn't do that. And obviously he brought that up and I think he, he said it quite well that they could add 10 if they had stayed together. Crazy. But the nice thing is, is that they did remain friends. Cause I know there was some tension between them because Kobe was not happy with Shaq for not being ready to play at the start of seasons and what have you, but they, they put well, you that know, behind well, them. Well, Rick, you know how the drama really started between those two was uh, when, and I hate bringing this up right now, but when the Colorado thing happened with Kobe, um, apparently, and, and a police report to a police report, one of the first things Kobe said when the police came to the scene was, uh, well, this is what Shaq does. Like he basically said that he was trying to use an excuse that apparently Shaq uses when he philanders. And that I, and a Shaq, was supposedly so upset because he felt like Kobe threw him under the bus doing that, uh, that there was the rift started there. That is what's yeah, and, 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 yeah, and that's, uh, uh, yeah, certainly you can understand that. But the yeah. thing is, it goes beyond that. The real thing was, is because of Kobe's warrior attitude and yes. the way he was so committed to the game and doing yes. everything, he was really not happy that Shaq wasn't coming in ready to start from day one and be ready to kick butt. Right. And that makes sense. I get it. I mean, Kobe had such a strong work ethic. And I think Shaq for a lot of years just kind of, because of his natural physical ability, he's just kind of winged it. Yeah. And he, um, could. <laughs> he, he could. Well, there's been a lot of tributes paid and, and justifiably yeah. so. I think it was really kind of neat what the teams did with the 24-second violation yes. and the eight-second violation. That was a nice little tribute and a way to do it. Um, it was. It was. So, I do want to hear one more soundbite. This one's shorter. Uh, and, and the reason why I picked this one out is because Draymond Green, I feel like, had the closest relationship of the Warriors with Kobe because they both had such a strong mental attitude about work ethic and winning. Um, do you want to hear that one? Sure, sure. All right, here's Dream on Green. This last soundbite we'll play. This is one word. I don't really want to talk about it. You know, like, I'm trying to escape it. You know? And so, I mean, I'm not a mental health expert, so I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but that's how I feel. And, like, for me, I, I just want to escape it. I want to talk. I want to talk. I don't want to talk to nobody about Kobe. I'd rather talk to Kobe. So. I'll fade it off there. Yeah. You can barely hear it now. Yeah, he said he wanted to talk. He wanted, He would want to talk to Kobe, and you know? also, hey, everybody has to deal with 
difficult situations, emotional situations in their own way. And so you just have to under, understand and accept that. So that was his way of dealing with it. So uh, our, our, our prayers and, and condolences and sympathy goes out to uh, his wife and, and kids and family and his parents, and his, my parents I, I as well. Yeah, Joe, I mean, yeah, well, I had said the same thing with Joe. I can't even parents are supposed to die before their kids. I mean, yes. that's the way it was designed. And so this has got to be just so traumatic for them and so difficult for them. As difficult as, you know, seeing how Shaq reacted and seeing how Jerry West reacted, who were very close to him. Can you imagine what his parents and, and what no. his wife and kids and his parents are going through? I just, no. so my prayers go out to all of them, but let's, uh, as life does move on, um, mm-hmm. let's, let's move on to some other things that we can talk about since we're supposed to be talking about basketball and the Warriors in particular. Here's, <laughs> well, and, before, you know, God well, bless Rick, the Kobe. And Rick, if you don't mind real quick, before we fully move on, I mean, Shaq did mention something there that, that I wanted to ask you, which is that he claims without argument that him and Kobe were the best duo ever in the history of basketball. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that's true. Uh, I mean, they're certainly one of the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did really well. I mean, if you just pick a duo, I mean, there were a lot of great players on those Boston Celtic teams that won all those championships. I mean, it's pretty hard to say Oscar and Kareem weren't exactly uh, chump change <laughs> I mean, right, right. and then and then jerry jerry west and, and will chamberlain when they were doing it set the record for consecutive wins at all i mean that's so yeah you, you there's a lot of people can you imagine jerry west and and uh and will chamberlain if if uh, wilt was younger yeah but they didn't win <laughs> but they didn't win as many championships right? oh, i understand I mean, that but i'm just yeah. saying as far as duels are concerned had they been together god only knows i mean yeah I mean, certainly if those guys had stayed together, they could have been right up there. And if you're only going to just say two players, but they were more than two players. Come on, think of the other people they had in their team. Well, right. But we're talking duos, right? The, 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 the one-two punch. Is there a better one-two punch, I suppose? I can think of only Jordan and Pippen possibly superseding them. Um, no, yeah, but that, passing them, yeah, then I don't think they would because you've got a two-guard and a three. I mean, you know, it's not quite the same as having a dominant center. Although nowadays, as you know, I just talked with Clifford Ray before I came on the air here, my, uh-huh. my dear friend. And, and teammate and starting center on our championship team in 75. And we're talking about that. He was, he's so appalled that they don't even have the center listed anymore for all-star games. I mean, Crazy. it's like the center has become a non-entity and they're it trying has. to, and all these guys are out there now shooting three-point shots and all. And we both agreed that, hey, you know what? When you get down to it, if you've got a guy that can do something in the middle and you can go inside and do it, I think you're going to have a chance to win more championships than if you're just going ahead and shooting everything from the perimeter. Although the Warriors kind of put a, a, a damper on that with the way they did things. But it's still a situation that if you had that guy, you can certainly overcome the other people. I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I, I think it is appalling that they've taken the center out of the game almost. It's like everybody – well, I know – at one of the universities here, they're making a big deal about it. That uh, University of Florida, where my son Canyon played his last year as a grad student, that uh, they got one of the top recruits in the country, a center who was there, and uh, and he came to the school and and they don't feature the center position. And so all of a sudden he's really hardly doing anything at all. And they got him playing outside and it's kind of crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've got a big guy who can play and do something inside you got to be nuts not to utilize that seriously. And I still would go out if I was scouting everything. And that's what I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for a guy who can play defense, who can score inside, you know, pass the ball, some block shots and have a guy who's a rim protector for you. That that's an invaluable commodity to have. If you want to have a chance to build and have a championship team. So anyway, that's, that's what's happening. So you know what? Play the music because that'll be my – play the music that drives me crazy. That's Because this is it right now. I mean, we just hit something right now that just popped up. That I had. Yep, that's it. So this will be my drive me crazy for this show is that they, they're eliminating the center. They're, they're paying no attention whatsoever to the impact that a center who really knows how to play the game down in the low post who can still go outside. Yeah, I'd love to have the guy still be able to go out and shoot the ball some. But you still want to have the guy be able to get down in that post and wreak havoc with people. So it drives me crazy what's going on with the NBA. I said, remember years ago when it happened, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw they took the center off the all-star ballot. <laughs> it's crazy. You're right. What do they do now? They do two guards and oh, three so they have one, two. What is it? One, two, three, four, four, or one, two, four plus? I mean, four squared. I mean, what's the deal? I think, I, mean, the, I think the voting is two, two, three, three, three. I think that's how they're doing it. So any two. Yeah, but, but the center is out. It is. You're There's right. No center. You're right. It's just guards and forwards. That's all. That's basically all they see now for positions. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, I mean, come on. You watch an NBA game. As I tell people, a lot of times you watch an NBA game and you never see a center, a real true center, even on the floor. Yeah, the Warriors started that. 
I mean, this is, you know, what's funny. Don Nelson started that, but he was ahead of his time. And I don't think he had the talent to pull it off, but Don Nelly loved that small ball. It just never worked for him. And then the Warriors came and started a dynasty because of it. All right. Time to talk about the folks over at my bookie. Want to make a bet on the Super Bowl? My Niners are in the game. I'm confident. I know they're going to win that game and dominate the Chiefs. It's all about the trenches and the Niners dominate both sides of the ball there. Head over to my bookie. Dot .ag to make your predictions a reality. My bookie is one of the most trusted sports books in the in the industry. And if football is not your thing, no worries. You can bet on the Warriors. They are keeping games close. You can even bet on surfing, all sorts of sports. You name it, go to mybookie.ag and they can book, book that bet for you. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate this incredible offer where they're going to match your deposit halfway. So if you put $2,000 into your MyBookie account, they'll give you an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you got to do is use the promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. That's mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Rick, do you think we're ever going to see another three-peat? I mean, the Warriors came close, but they didn't pull it off. Pull it off, so... Was Kobe, Shaq, and those Lakers teams the last ones? I mean, I, I, I can't picture yeah. any other team doing it right now. Yeah, but the way you know people are moving around to do it, it would have to be something where they lock these guys in, everybody stays healthy, and they yeah. got them on long-term contracts so nobody is able to go and you know, every, every go and leave. And, of course, in, for the Warriors, it was the debacle that took place with, uh, with, mm. with Draymond and, and getting suspended after that crazy stuff where the officials swallowed their whistle and should have called a flagrant foul on LeBron. And if they had done that, <laughs> yep. it would have all been over. And yep. there's no way they would have beaten him. And then the Warriors shot themselves in the foot, as we talked about on a number of occasions, by shooting nothing but three-point shots in the last four minutes and 20 seconds of the game seven at home, which is crazy. So, Rick, do you think this? Do you think this reliance on the three from so many player, from, uh, players and teams? Now, I showed you that shot, shot chart a few weeks back, right? Where players right. were shooting yeah. from twenty years ago to now, and and basically the mid range jumper on the baseline does not exist anymore. Whereas players used to shoot that regularly, and now everyone's uh, you know heating up threes. Do you think that is a huge reason why ratings are plummeting? I saw, I heard someone make a, a great metaphor of imagine if in the NFL, the hail mary, like statisticians discovered that the Hail Mary, if you did it every time, it works. It's more productive than doing what they do now. And every team just started doing Hail Marys. I think people would just stop watching, right? It'd get boring. And the question is, is, is this reliance on threes killing the game? Like, do you think so or, or no? Oh, no, I think it's exciting. It gives a chance for a team to get back into a game when they're down. I mean, otherwise you couldn't do it if it's used judiciously. The problem with it when it first came into play was that uh, guys who, and it still exists, guys who shoot a horrible percentage and have no business shooting threes are all shooting the threes. And so that's the part that bothers me a great deal. And then the other thing is, is that, is that uh, you, you have a situation with the threes that there's too much one-on-one along with it. Right. Too much one, too, way too much one-on-one. Yeah. James I mean, the game Harden. wasn't designed to be played that way. Pass, move, cut. That's why I love watching the Warriors play yes. when they were good that five-year oh. run. Pass, oh. move, cut, get easy shots, make the defense have to make some decisions and all. The one-on-one stuff, you just have a decision. Do I go and double? And if I do, where do I go from? Yep. And, it, and, it's, and it's kind of boring to watch that. But yet, it, if, it, if it's working and you can do it, I know I, I didn't particularly like it, but I did it sometimes. And I was, remember Melvin Newburn was a guy that I coached in the minor leagues. And Melvin was a beast one-on-one. And I would isolate him and put him on the side because if they couldn't defend it, why would you not take advantage of it? Yeah. So it's a matter of, of just trying to utilize your personnel in the best way possible. And if you have a guy who can do it, but I'm not one to go where I get, I, we, we try to run something. First of all, I always try to do something in transition. And basically called everything, you know, a continuity offense. Mm-hmm. Push the ball, push the ball, try to get something initially off of it. If you don't have it and I had to do it, well, then I'd go. Maybe let them go one-on-one. Just like with the Bulls. It was a triangle offense. They push it. They didn't get anything, a little bit of the triangle. And then if you get down to five seconds to go, Michael got the ball and he went one-on-one. It's perfect offense. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and, and what people, a lot of people don't realize is transition offense is incredibly difficult to defend. That is why you do the it. The hardest thing in the world is when the guy's coming at you full speed to try to guard him. Yep. Yeah, especially no. LeBron. Especially well, LeBron. Well, spe- yeah, yeah, for me, he was like Dr. <laughs> J. I said, please, God, don't let me be back oh, here by myself because yes. I don't ever want to be a poster child. 
So, oh. yeah, I mean, that's and nowadays there's so many guys that can do those same incredible things that not many guys did back in my day. I mean, Elgin Baylor was one of the first guys that did kind of stuff like that, but nothing to the extent that you know, when Dr. J came along and then Michael and then Dominique and you could just go down the list of these guys that wow. do these just incredibly athletic things and that I would used to fantasize about. So how, how about this one? So what do you think? So I'll ask you, what do you think the Warriors actually think of Cauley Stein? Well, they traded they, him. So I understand that. And that's yeah. why I'm saying, what do you think of him that they gave him up for a second round pick? Well, I, I think the, I think they did it for salary cap purposes so that they can uh, offer Kai Bowman and, and uh, Chris guaranteed contract. Well, I know, but does that mean <laughs> so how much could they have thought of him that they didn't really see him in oh, their yeah, future? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think he, right? I think his signing was filler. I, I, that's my guess. I mean, they needed a center. He was available. Yeah. He wanted to come, you know, this was such a, uh, this whole year is so bizarre uh, that, that, that yeah, it's, you're right. They, they clearly didn't think that much of him. <laughs> I mean, they just gave him away for a second round pick, a late second round pick. So, yeah. Well, anyway, but he'll, he's got, he's lucky. He gets a chance to go someplace. Where we're going to give him some time to play because you know, the Mavs needed just, just thinking of that. Did you see the score of the game that they had against the Phoenix Suns? No. At home? No. You didn't see the final score? I'm going to look it up right now, but no, I didn't. I missed that. But well, oh, oh my God! It was. It, I mean, this is the the Mavericks who are actually playing well, right? I mean, they're they're, they're a big surprise this season, very big surprise. But just t- just take a look. Just take a look at the score. Is this last night's game you're talking about? The Suns? Yeah. Look at the- look at look at the yeah. Look at the. They game. gave up 133 points. They gave yeah. up 133 points at home to the Suns and lost by 29. Wow. Devin Booker's another one of these guys. He, he played had a great game, but I'm still waiting for Devin Booker just to play one game that actually counts. You know, and do that, and then maybe I'll start being impressed. Right now, your boy Trey Young. I mean, you made a great a huge argument for him. Playing in the All Star game, a lot of people did not agree with that. He is going to be an All Star starter, um, but the criticism I'm getting from him about Trey Young is that he doesn't play defense. Yeah, well, that's usually the case for most young players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and then, but Devin yeah. Booker is, and he's another. I mean, he's an amazing scorer. You know, I mean, he's scored the most points since Kobe's 81 point game. He had a two years ago. He scored a, what 71, I think, in Boston or something like that. Uh, but they haven't played a game that counts ever. In his entire career, you know. Well, wait a second. Every every game I played counted. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm just hey, trying hey, to give hey, you a hard time. Yeah, but seriously, I mean, it's <laughs> you. You can't expect a guy to have to play in a game that really matters if your team sucks. Right. I, I guess my thing is, <laughs> when, you know, when are you ever going to get to a game that really matters? <laughs> I guess what I want from him is to actually lead the Suns to be in a position where they could potentially make the playoffs. And, you know, this was supposed to be the year, but they're plummeting in the standings. But I'm looking at the, the scores from yesterday's game since you brought that up. The Bucks beat the Wizards 151-131. That's a great defensive outing. Yeah. Jeez. Well, yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? Uh, well, what the league likes the scoring. I mean, they do. I mean, that's that's the scoring is the fun thing. That's remember when they had the big problem years ago, and you know Mike Fratello, when he didn't have the talent to go out and run, and all slowed the game down. And you had NBA games in the seventies. Yeah, you did. You had well the, the, that that eighties uh, capitulated with the Spurs and the Pistons. I think playing in the NBA Finals in one of the lowest rated finals ever. Um, during that defensive era of the NBA, you're right. And then all these hand-checking rules came in. And, you know, Draymond Green talked about that. Do you want to hear that? He, he, he made a statement that said the only thing the NBA cares about is offense. And that's it. Um, do you want to hear this clip? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, here's Draymond. And what, what, what is your all-star criteria? Like, if you're voting for all-star, what do you, what's kind of your criteria? Uh, my criteria really don't matter. Um, if, you know, if it was about my criteria be different this whole league would be different so you know the shit that matters in this league don't really matter to me and uh yeah you know it's all about how can we make the game better for the offensive player that's what this league is about it's part of the reasons the ratings probably suck so, you know. well that's where he's wrong so well that's enough okay. uh God, that's, 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 that's no, seriously
That's, I mean, that's, that's, I disagree. I love Draymond and all and the way he goes after it and everything, but no, the ratings would suck if they did it the way you want and they only had defense and they protect and didn't protect the offensive player and you were scoring games in the seventies and eighties. That's uh, so he's, he's, he's missed the mark on that one. Uh, well, he, well, his entire game is defense. I thought he does have a bias in that regard, but. Uh, well, of course, and justifiably so. And you don't win championships if you don't play good defense. So that's, <laughs> you know, that's the bottom line. And thank right. God that, you know, he did what he did and, and, and he contributes to the team and, in a lot of ways, but it's not the type of situation where he's going to go out and get you 20 to 30 every night. He's not that kind of an offensive talent to be able to do that, but he certainly can go out you go out and get you sometime 15 or 20 and get you 10 or more rebounds and sometimes even get you 10 assists. I mean, so, and play, play tough individual defense and team defense. And so he does the job that he is being paid to do and he does mm-hmm. it exceptionally well. But to, to say that, you know, that the ratings suck because of that. No, that's, that has nothing to do with it. The ratings don't suck. The ratings are down some, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that some of the great players are, have been injured and you know, there's right. a lot of factors that go into it. But anyway, uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's go to Iggy. I, I think I like what Iggy had said is pretty interesting. Love this. About the, Love about this. The, yeah. I, I just, let's hear this. Uh, so the, yeah, Iggy was on uh, ESPN. He's sitting alongside Jalen Rose and Chauncey Billups when he made these comments about uh, Stephen Curry. Uh, hold on, let me, uh, let me get the volume up here, and here we go. I have been learning the if game. If there are referees involved, I would I would not want to guard Allen Iverson. Okay. Because they do not want to call fouls for Steph Curry. You can just mm-hmm. maul Steph in. He, he, he shoots like two free throws a game. It's amazing how a two-time MVP mm-hmm. and unanimous MVP just can't get calls. But Allen Iverson, he knew how to get around a referee. So I think they just put toast. Refs, you yeah, you did regardless. I have learned the game. The question was asked, who would you rather guard, Allen Iverson or Stephen Curry? And his answer was, uh, depending on the refs. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I I do think that Steph gets beat up. I mean, during the course of the playoffs, I remember, especially when I was writing for the Examiner, talking about one of their championship seasons, uh, it was ludicrous. I, I, if I were broadcasting and was doing color analysts, I would have said to my producer, I would have said, director, I said, look, I want you to follow Steph around. I want to show people what's happening to Steph off the ball, what they're doing to him. Right. And they're not calling fouls. It's it was ridiculous. If you did that on the street, you'd get arrested. <laughs> no, I really, truly, I I, I agree uh, with with on that and that part. I mean that you can't allow that to happen. The, the referees dictate how the game is going to be played by how they interpret the rules, and they should be interpreting according to the way they're written, not according to how they think they should be written. Uh, that's the problem. I mean, you have that situation that exists that I will adjust as a player to what the officials are doing. If you co- and you should always start out coming out and being aggressive so they see that. And if they're not blowing the whistle, great. You know, then you know you, you know what you can do and still be able to get away with it. But the officials can t- turn the whole game around if they blow the whistle and call things closely at the start of the game, it changes the dimension of that game because the players will adjust. They don't want to get in foul trouble because they know you're going to have to come out of the game and sit. So they're not going to be aggressive, and they're going to adjust to the way the officials are calling the game. The same thing with baseball players. They know an official where his strike zone is, right? Right. It isn't all according to the letter of the law and the way the rule was written. I mean, sometimes they get it when I played. It was like right below the, you know, the chest area and stuff. I mean, you get a ball come up over, you know, that comes right in that area. And a lot of, a lot of ref, uh, umpires don't call out a strike. They won't call it. They won't mm-hmm. call the high, the high strike. Yeah, I don't like that subjectivity. It bothers me. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It really does. You know, Iguodala said something else too. This was, there is no sound for this. Uh, I don't know where they got this quote came from originally, but Iguodala was quoted as saying, quote, this break has been a blessing in disguise. I think it's added another year or two to my career. What he's talking about is that you don't have to play on a Thursday night on the road, on a Friday night on the road, fly back to the All-Star City on Saturday, go to a banquet Saturday night, play in the All-Star game on Sunday afternoon, and then play away on the road on Monday. No, I, I think that's he's what talking I'm talking. No, that's what he's talking about, this break. Oh, he's not talking about the fact that he's had a whole year off this year? Well, no, that I think that's going to grow, but I think he's also talking about the break at All-Star helps him some. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's referring to the year off just because he said he's oh, added another year yeah, or two. Well, I, well, it probably will. I mean, he's, gonna, yeah. he's not having to beat his body up, but I tell you, the All-Star game, the same way. It's a break that helps you, I think. Yeah. 
helps these guys a lot. I mean, if you're not playing in the game, well, it's not even a game, as I say, if you're not having to go out and do the exhibition and screw around for, you know, whatever minute you're in the game and throw alley-oop dunks and other stuff, you're not really having to work hard. You're getting time off Mm -hmm. and your body gets a chance to rest for four or five days. And and that's something that's nice in the middle of the season. There's no question about it. So I I wouldn't know what that was like, but that's you know, <laughs> and I didn't and I wouldn't have wanted it to be honest with you because let me tell you, if you, Cyrus, if you're a finely tuned athlete, yes, you can't take more than two days off without it impacting you. Correct. You start you start regressing physically. I, I agree with that. So, but I, what on mentally though? I think that's the point more in this regard is that. Taking the year off, we're talking Steph, we're talking Clay, Iguodala, especially Iguodala. My goodness, he's not hurt. He's just he's just given a year off, paid sixteen million dollars. It's insane. Uh, but but like for example, I really do believe that that year plus off Michael Jordan took made a profound difference in terms of him coming back and winning three more chips. I mean, the burnout from repeated championship pursuits is real. You know, they they did they did the math. I think Steph and Steph Curry. And Clay and this whole group and Draymond, that five-year run, the amount of playoff games they played equated to over 80 games, right? So they played an entire extra season of playoff games, and these playoff games are intense. You're not taking night off, nights off, right? Yeah, but you're also not playing back to back either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're Kawhi and you're also Leonard, not traveling commercial. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but if you're Kawhi Leonard, that is that's irrelevant because of load management. But yeah, most of the. Oh cases, yeah, well, I'm going to get started with the load management. <laughs> well, you hear? Hey, going back to that, do you, you hear this thing I just heard? Is I heard that all of a sudden they're a little bit disappointed because Kawhi supposedly was doing this helicopter stuff down in L.A. Oh, and that a lot of times somebody had said, and I don't know the validity of this. I'm just passing on what I'd heard from a fairly reliable source that. Okay. And also that what would happen is that a lot of times because of weather or other things like that, they'd have to postpone and fly it and all. And they'd have to push back practices and, and delay things because he couldn't get there. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I heard. So anyway, Well, well no, I'm glad there. you brought that up. We, I mean, we, we should shift gears for a second because for on multiple episodes now, we've talked about the fact that there is some dissent, some unha- uh, lack of harmony in the Clippers locker room. Montreal Harrell literally came out and said publicly there's an issue in the locker room. Um, the chemistry is not there. Now a new story um, from some folks at The Athletic. Uh, Yovan Buhan, Sam Emick published a story that says Montrez Harrell and others, their, their uh, disappointment and their unhappiness comes from the fact that they think preferential treatment is being given to Kawhi Leonard and to Paul George. And this team had a chemistry together prior to this year. I mean, they went to the playoffs last year without those two guys, pushed the Warriors to six games without those two guys. And now if this, what you're saying is true, which it sounds like it is, where Kawhi Leonard basically is delaying practices and getting all this special treatment, I could understand why some players are pissed. I mean, what, do you or do, do you think they should, they're making a big deal out of nothing? No, I, 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 here's the deal. Certainly, your top players and stuff, not everybody shouldn't be treated equally. They should be treated fairly. It's a big difference between the two. So a guy that's playing extra minutes and things and playing a lot of minutes and doing stuff, he shouldn't have to put as much time and effort into a practice as some of the other guys have to. And he may get a few other perks that someone else isn't getting, but not to the point where it impacts the other guys. If a guy has to, wherever sudden he's up, he's early, he's ready to go. He's going to, and then they call practice is going to be two hours later today. Why? Well, well, Kawhi can't fly in on his helicopter. So we got to move it back. That wouldn't sit well. That wouldn't, that's crazy. That is, I, I agree. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, look, I mean, obviously he's one of the best players in the game, but you just come out of nowhere. You're, you're the new guy in this team and you're dictating things. <laughs> Right from the scratch. I could see why some players are upset about this. And Kawhi does not really come off as someone who is so I know it really. Right? Yeah, but it's also a situation where he just doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy that demands that kind of special star treatment at all. I mean, it just uh, doesn't seem because I love the way he does his job on the floor. He doesn't bring attention to himself. He just goes about his business. When you score, when you make a great play, you've already made your statement. Everybody saw it. You don't need to bring more attention to yourself by grabbing your jersey and pulling it out and doing all these crazy things and gyrations (laughs) that these players do that I blame the coaches for, that the coaches should never allow that to happen, and it should start at an early age, that you are not going to be allowed to do that. And if every coach stood by that, because every player wants to play, and the coach holds the key to what they want, which is minutes. 
They want to play. So, you know, and this, the Kawhi stuff, I, you know, he, you might be right in terms of him being a humble individual in general, but his uncle Dennis, this man who apparently handles his negotiations. I, I think this, I think he has like a finance degree. He's, he's relatively astute uh, when it comes to numbers. Um, but I don't, did you read the story about uncle Dennis's free agent requests when Kawhi was a free agent and was being pursued by multiple teams? Like he, like he, he supposedly made demands of the Lakers that Kawhi would join them if they made him a part owner. Uncle Dennis wanted a salary for himself I believe. I mean, there's a lot of weird little requests that were put in and eventually Kawhi went to the Clippers, but uh, I, I, you know, that's an interesting team. I, I still pick them as the favorites. I still think they're going to win the world championship. Uh, but, you know, if there's dissent, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you want, you want good chemistry in your team. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, the way that the, way the Milwaukee Bucks are playing now and the confidence yeah. these guys are having, that's, that's any tough. But Anyway, here's the other thing, too. So many things go on in the world. As I told you, that score, they're always expecting unexpected in the NBA. I wouldn't bet ever on any basketball game ever because I know what can happen. Uh-huh. And that Dallas Suns game is one. Who in their right mind would have ever taken the Suns? Seriously. In that I mean, game to win? No yeah. one. No one. Yeah. No, I, mean, not, I mean, just to win. I mean, you know, and then, I mean, even with whatever the point spread was, I'm sure it wasn't 30-something, 29 points that, that, you know, they were – that the Mavericks are favored by, but I mean, that's the kind of crazy stuff that goes on in, in basketball and you have to be prepared for that and, and be willing to accept it. But I just do think that the season is long. You can't make predictions. When I hear so many people, Oh yeah, well this guy will go here and go there. I said, I'm not going to make a prediction. If I, if I knew what was going to happen, I would go and make a fortune betting on it. And I have no idea <laughs> what's going to happen. So why in the world do you want to get up and have to make all, and why does the TV, they like, they force you to have to make predictions. Yeah. Win. Who's that? Who's the best? Who's this? I said, just let them play the game and evaluate the game and talk about what they're doing and let, whatever's going to happen, happen, and then you can evaluate it. Then you can talk about what happened, what should have happened, what didn't happen. I, I, it's just, to me, it's just a waste of time, and it's just... Agreed. Fun. I agree, but look, this is, this is very uh, emblematic of what consumers and society want, like in, in, terms, in terms of media consumption. They want this stuff, this garbage, these listicles, these rankings, like who's the best ever? Like they eat this stuff up. I, I, I'm with you. I get that it's ridiculous and it means nothing in the grand scheme of things. But for some reason, you know, you look at media consumption and what people are watching and what people want. All it tells me is that I don't trust society in terms of media consumption. I feel like sometimes you need to tell them what they need to actually consume. And this is a good example of that because this is what the people eat up. You know, it's sad. Um, by the way, do you want to go in the 24 second shot clock? I got no, give me, give me Jack right now. Let me get this. Oh, perfect. Do it. Yeah. Here we go. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Jack. You know who can't handle the truth? Who? At times. Who? The NBA. Yeah. Why? Seriously. Well, because there are a lot of things that go out there and they always felt that they have the answers to everything and they don't always do the things that are necessarily in the best interest of the players. They're, they're all looking at the, the, the almighty bottom line mm-hmm. and wanted to control things. And that was part of what David Stern was about. And people have said that. I mean, he was like a dictator. <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, and they admit it. They all say that. I mean, you could read the stories that were written about him and all and that just was him and people accepted it all. The guy was brilliant in the stuff that he did. But they they wanted to be they they were they are control freaks they want to control everything yeah and so I mean the truth of the matter is is that it's it's not as they're not as magnanimous as everybody thinks I mean it's <laughs> it's about what's good for them I mean it's it's the truth and there's a lot of stuff out there that they could be doing that they could be endorsing and I don't know who makes the final decisions on it I know it's not necessarily the commissioner all the time because a lot of times I have to get the board of governors right. To, uh, to agree on trying to do something different. And I know they're trying. I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking to the point. It's a great league. They've done amazing things. They changed the culture of basketball on a worldwide basis, and God bless them for that. Uh, but it's just the fact that a lot of times they don't want to necessarily deal with the truth. I mean, so what, what brings this up? Like, why do you bring this up now? It just brought it. I just kind of brought it up to me. It just kind of popped into my head. I've been gotcha. thinking about it all the time. I mean, I know some of the things and experiences that I had that, um, that they 
they didn't they don't necessarily they necessarily they want to take credit for most everything that ever happens and sometimes they won't let other things come in because they can't get credit for it. I, I've experienced it firsthand, and it's fine. I mean, when you own a company or you own a business, uh, obviously you're entitled to do whatever the hell you want. Yep. So, but I do think that that is a situation there that sometimes um, they didn't necessarily always do the right thing. Yeah, I, I think that happens quite quite frequently, actually. <laughs> Um, no, I, I hear you. Uh, do you want to be put on the 24 second? Let's go, well, of course, it's always All a right. challenge. So let's see. So what here's a challenge and I'll, pre- I'll preface it by putting in front of you, if you can see my screen, um, the NBA all-star starters. Okay. They were revealed. The vote is split up between the fans. I believe the coaches and players, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think, I think the, I think the starters are by the fans. No, well, no, no, no. They, I mean, did they change that? They changed it so the, the fans represent 50% of the vote. Oh, okay, and then the coaches get the other – because it used to no, be always the fans. And then coaches and players. So I think, I think so. Yeah, in other okay. words, if you break it down, fans count for two votes. A player and a coach each count for one. Okay. So I didn't, uh, see, I didn't pay any attention to that because to me, the all-star thing has lost its, its, its meaning. It's, it's like, you know – well, I, you know, the, I, the reason for that, a large reason for taking it away from the fans, picking it exclusively is because Jaja Pachulia was going to get voted in a few, a few years back. Oh, because- no, no, I agree. That's one of the things that's so ridiculous. <laughs> and then is that, yeah, yeah crazy. I mean, guys it are is. getting voted in and a guy who's got a big name at all in the past years. And they're, they voted him on the team and they were hurt, for God's sake. Yes. And I stand corrected. It's uh, fans are 50 percent, players 25 percent, the media represents the other 25 percent. Um, even though I don't have a vote. Do you have a vote? Do you get to vote? No, of course. Where's these media? Well, why are we not in this? Anyway, so um, here are the starters. Okay, so you can see that in front of you because your question is going to pertain to that. Uh, Twenty-four second shot clock. Your question is: Do you agree with who the all-star starters are, and if not, who should be replaced? Well, put them back on there. Okay. Well, I, I have, uh, you know what? It doesn't really matter to me, to be perfectly honest. Whoever the hell they wanted to pick is fine. I don't necessarily have, well, there you go. You got two guys who are really, uh, they got a center on the team on the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, they really don't. Um, but I have no problem with these guys that were picked. I really don't. Davis is kind of a starter, right? I mean, Anthony. I know Anthony Davis repeatedly <laughs> emphasizes he doesn't want to play center. Uh, but he's, I mean, look, he's a big man. Is he not? I mean, which, yeah, but he's which, really a four. He's not yeah, a center. He is, he's he a, is, he's yeah. a four. So, I mean, the, the Western conference doesn't have, they have, they have, let me see. They've got, well, LeBron would be, LeBron's a three. Kawhi would be a two. Luca's a, now the point guard. Harden's a point guard. So what happens in that game? Luca's going to really probably be depressed because he's, you know, he might never <laughs> see the ball. Um, <laughs> You're, I hear you on that. Well, but we he, got both guys who kind of dominate the ball for their teams. I mean, the, so. the Eastern Conference is interesting. Pas, Pascal Siakam is a star. He's really he's taken his game to a whole new he level has. this this season. He really has. He's played exceptionally well. In fact, uh, I think because of having won the championship and the confidence those guys have, they're actually I think playing and doing a lot better than anybody ever thought that they would. And I think that the players felt they had something to prove that it, they weren't all about just Kawhi. Yeah. And they've done, uh, a, done a pretty good job of that, you know? And, and it's interesting to see, it was just a year ago when uh, Luka Doncic and Trey Young were drafted. And just one year later, they're starters now in the All-Star game. It's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, two really, two, two of, the, of the bright young stars in the league. There's no, no yeah. doubt about that. And, but I have no problem with those people there. And it's, but the whole thing is, is that what the heck difference does it make? And it, like even someone said, there's a good story talking about how important is it to the players? And some players feel, hey, it's really important. It's for your legacy and all the other stuff. And then the other guy's saying, well, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's not even the East against the West anymore like it used to be. And now you got the guys picking their players and drafting. I mean, so it's a big mix up. But the bottom line of it is it's no longer a game. It's an exhibition. And I wish they would just say all-star weekend, you know, going to come to the all-star exhibition (laughs) because it's not a game. It's the furthest thing from a game that you could ever imagine. It's just not. And for, for guys that are are my age and some of the guys have been around, even some of the older guys, we all just say, wow, unbelievable. (laughs) And seriously, it's just, isn't, they should have asterisk by any record that's there starting at a certain age when this thing turned into an exhibition, as opposed to an actually super competitive game where pride was on the line. You know, the, 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 the biggest value of the all-star game for me for many years and anyone else who bets on sports can relate to this. It was the easiest bet to ever make. I think over a 14 or 15 year span, I won 14 out of the 15 years. And by the end, I was starting to bet kind of big. And all you do is bet on the over. 
right? You bet on the over because you know there's no defense being played. You know there's a shitload of points being put up. And the bookies finally caught on to this. It took like 15 years where they set that over-under so high now it's no longer a guaranteed bet because they're expecting over 300 points combined easily between these two teams now. That used to be such easy money for me, Rick. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you bet. I'm happy for you, Cyrus. <laughs> thank you. I'm so. happy for you, but I don't oh, bet you. on basketball. Or As I said, I'd never <laughs> even bet on it. And let's, I mean, this is not, let's just call it what it is, okay? Seriously. It's, it's not a game anymore. It's just not a game. And just, no, you know, not. face the reality. But here's the deal. If you go with the right mindset that you want to go to be entertained, to see some of the amazing things that these guys can do when they're out there screwing around, which they are a lot mm-hmm. of the time, then it, it, it could be enjoyable for you. And I'll still say, I mean, just from a couple of seasons ago, I, I still marveled at the pass that Steph made when he threw the bounce pass from way out high to a high, but went over the basket perfect. And I think it was Giannis who dunked it the was. ball. It I was. was like, that was sick. I mean, do you, I mean, again, do you know how incredibly accurate he had to be to know where to throw it on the floor and to throw it with enough energy to be able to bounce high enough to travel that distance at the perfect height for John. I mean, it was kind of like Spud Webb with the, when he did the half court, throwing the ball up in here and catching it and dunk it. That was just one of the most amazing passes I've ever seen in my life. It was. And, and, that, and that play is, play is, is uh, repeatedly played on social media for the simple reason that all these Warriors fans keep playing that as sort of like a highlight of Giannis's future with the Warriors, right? They, they kind of use that as like the platform for, hey, Giannis, this is what's happening. Get over here. Yeah, I'm telling you, that was, that was spectacular. But as I say, you're going to see some incredible stuff like that. And so if you're going to go just to be able to see that and enjoy that. But if you really are a true fan who loves the game and you ever witnessed and experienced what it was like when we played with great pride mm. to try to see who was going to be able to win that all-star game. It's, it's a travesty compared to the way it was. How should they incentivize it to make it actually matter? I mean, they're trying, has, I mean, yeah. they're trying all kinds of things to try to do it. And by making this thing where they pick their players and do stuff, but the bottom line is to the, the players, what do they have to really prove with that? I mm-hmm. mean, it's, I mean, and as I said, for us back then, I think the winning team might have gotten $3,000 or two or whatever it was. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's like a fifth of my freaking salary. <laughs> yeah. And now they get paid so much money. That I think they get paid the, the winning team, I think, makes more money than I made in my first two years playing. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I know they've been talking a lot about these changes. One of the changes in the league being that they might throw an in-season, uh, I'm sorry, a mid, yeah, an in-season tournament. Uh, that would kind of circle around the all-star game and, and the whole thing would take about three weeks or a month. I don't know, but anyways, Rick, uh, next week, Warriors huddle is going to be happening. Finally, we am excited to do that podcast with Bram and that crew there. You can follow Rick Barry on social media at Rick 24 Barry across all platforms. You're available for individual video messages. Uh, what's the website for that again? If you're still doing that, uh, for what I'm doing, Cameo, yeah. Cameo.com. Cameo. Thank you. Yeah. Go to Cameo.com. Cameo.com. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Done a lot of really fun things for some people to do that. And it's a personal video that goes out to you or whoever you want as a gift. Phenomenal. Uh, and it's been fun. Yeah, yeah it's been fun doing that. And what a gift idea that is. So you can go to Cameo.com and, and you can literally have Rick Barry send a personalized message to yourself or anyone you love or care about. And you can follow me on Twitter at DocSurfRoadShow. Our show's Twitter account is at Warriors24Pod. Rick, it's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Yes, and everybody have a have a wonderful uh, week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm going to go visit my oh. son out in Des Moines. You know, so yes. that'll be fun to see him out there. And uh, and then he's getting ready to try out for the three on three qualifying to see who's going to make the, the the team to go qualify for the Olympics in three on three. So oh, beautiful. Uh, so hopefully Rick, that'll work out well. And Rick, before we wrap things up, if you don't mind, real quick, because you brought up the Super Bowl. I'm my Niners and the Warriors. I love these two teams more than anything. They're going to win this game. I, I look. I, I I'm as superstitious as the next sports fan, so I can understand Niners fans going, "Why are you saying this?" I'm that confident. I really think they're going to dominate this game. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. He will have his in due time. But that team is just not as good as the Niners. They're going to dominate the trenches. They're going to dominate the running game. Their defense- if they play the way they played last weekend and they can oh. run the ball the way they ran the ball, they will have a chance. They will win the They will win that game. No think- question about that. However, 
Patrick is such, he's such an unknown and it's, he could just do so many crazy True. little things and you just don't know. And if the, if, if the 49ers can't turn the ball over, can't have any fumbles, they, they can't have interceptions, you know, and True. It, it, they have, they have to control the ball, not have turnovers and hope that Mahomes doesn't find a way to pull off a miracle for him because the guy is special. I mean, he's just incredibly special. He is. I, I'm not doubting that for even a second. But again, in Super Bowl 19, everyone thought Dan Marino was special. You know, in uh, in, in the Super Bowl but when not like not like Patrick, not like Mahomes, and not, I mean he he was not that mobile. He wasn't that True. elusive. True, John. I mean, but John Elway was, and John Elway. No, he John wasn't. Elway was, John Elway was nowhere near as athletic as Mahomes doing the stuff he did. No way. <laughs> I mean, I know John. John was great and amazing. You know, Hall of Famer, everything. But this guy, he's special. He is. I'm not, look, I'm not, none of this is taking away from the talents and just how incredible Patrick Mahomes is. He's, he's amazing. He is, he will get his. I just, this year, I, do, I don't think the Chiefs have played a team like the Niners yet. And they're going to get punched in the mouth early in that game and they're going to be shocked. I think yeah. 30, well, the 49ers have so much better defense, so much better. Yeah. yeah I and, mean, and that's where you, you, you should wind up winning games because of that. So if they play, as I say, if they play the way they played, in their last game to win the NFC. There's no question in my mind that they will come out victorious in, in this game. They are a better team on paper. And if they play up to their capabilities, they should win the game, despite mm. whatever Mahomes does. I love hearing that, Rick. And when we come back next week, we'll have the 49ers as your next Super Bowl champions. Thank you, sir. Now I'm done. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.